Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Just stand to your feet today, and we're going to read our text this morning in Psalms 133. We actually have three scriptures that we're going to reference today. This is the one we're going to do first, and while you're turning to Psalms 133, I want you to find Philippians chapter 2 and put a little finger there or a bookmark there, whatever you have. If you have a, uh, a digital Bible, just uh, flip, you'll be able to flip to us quickly, so don't have to worry about it. So Psalms 133, Philippians chapter 2, and Joshua chapter 1, those are the three Hopefully we get to all three of those references. I'm going to go as fast as I can. I will say we're going to move a lot of content and talk about a lot of things, so you may have to catch the podcast on Tuesday. Um, I'm going to, I've got my notes. I'm going to try to stick to those best I can so I can get through it all because I get on rabbit trails and get talking. But here we go in Psalms 133. Behold how good, everybody say good, and how pleasant, everybody say pleasant. It is for brother and sister to dwell together in unity, everybody say unity. It is like precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commands the blessing, life forevermore. Where does the Lord command the blessing? In unity. Father, we just come before you one more time this morning thanking you for your presence that is with us. Father, we thank you for your glory that is with us, Lord. We thank you that we can lean upon you. And Father, I just pray for these next few moments that we're diving into the word of God, that it would bring forth life. Father, give us the ears of the spirit to, to listen, to absorb what you're saying, to, to comprehend what you're saying. Lord, let it go deep into our hearts, Lord, that it may bear fruit, not only in our lives, but also in our families' lives and in our communities' lives and ultimately in our nation's lives, Father God. For our nation is hurting and we are the only ones with the solution. Please, oh Lord, open our eyes to this revelation of blessing of unity. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we've been in a series lately called Thy Kingdom Come, and we've had many services. They're all on our, our YouTube channel. You can watch those. Let me just give a little plug for the YouTube channel. You can go back through and kind of get caught up on the series. And today I want to talk to you on the, on the concept of the unity of the kingdom. Not that united kingdom. The unity of the kingdom. Amen? So I've got only two points for you today. But before you get too excited, i got a big foundation to lay. So bear with me this morning, but, but we're, we're going to get into some things. It is no secret that our nation right now is hurting. It is suffering tremendously at so many levels. When I think about the turmoil and the heartache that is happening, and not only in our nation, but in our families and in different situations, I, I, my mind goes back to many years ago, I, I had broke a tooth, and, and, and um, it, it, it was on a Friday evening, and all of a sudden, I was just sent with immense pain. And I wasn't able to get into the dentist and, and, until the following week, and I got into the dentist, and I was in immense pain. And I, I went in there and said, Doc, you got to help me. you got to fix me. And he looked at the tooth, and he said, yes, I can fix you, but you have an infection in your tooth, and I can't touch that tooth until I get rid of the infection. I said, why don't you just do what you got to do now? Won't that take care of it? And he said, no, it won't. He said, because if I don't get rid of the infection first, everything I try to do is just going to make it worse. And can I tell you that that's what happened. He put me on a course of antibiotics. He brought me back in whatever many days it was. And the, the pain, most of the pain was gone when the infection was gone. And then he was able to get into it. Fast forward many years later, a few years ago, I had another tooth that kind of did the same thing. And I got in and this was a dentist. And this is no slam on, on the dentist. But he didn't quite have the years that the old dentist had, if you know what I'm saying. 
And I sat in the chair and I said, I'm in a lot of pain, doc. And he said, yeah, you've got a bad abscess in that tooth. Let's just take care of that right now. And I said, okay. Because he did it like that, it cost me a year of pain because it never healed properly. And I had to go back to a specialist to undergo root canal surgery with microscopes and machines. And I had to be put through all of this because the infection was so severe, he wasn't able to do the job adequately. Should have treated the infection before offered the remedy. Church, we have to treat the infection of our nation first. Our nation is in need of a spiritual root canal. But in order for to bring healing, we've got to start with the right thing. But so many of us have that backwards that so many times we want to help, but many times we do it in our own way, in our own knowledge, but oftentimes we do more harm than good. So let us apply some antibiotic to the infection before we start drilling. Let me give you this concept. We may not be of the same heritage, skin color, gender, or political opinion, but we can be of the same mind. What is that mind? What does that mean? We're going to talk about that this morning. We learn in the book of Genesis that God himself addresses the citizens of Babel as they're building a tower. And united, we can accomplish anything. As we come together, we can accomplish anything. But divided, we accomplish nothing. I was studying through some history books and I came across this. Maybe you've heard of it. Now, to be fair, there's a little historical debate on the accuracy of this, but I'm just going to go with it because I think it is so prophetic. You maybe have heard of the Battle of Karantsebis. The Battle of Karantsebis was during Austria's war between Russia and Turkey. On September 17th, 1788, an unexperienced emperor of Austria named Joseph II rallied 100,000 soldiers and tried to conquer the Islamic South. One of the underlying issues was that the army of the leader of this army had no wartime experience and it was comprised of many different countries. I think we have the picture of the countries. So what they did is they, I'm sorry, so all these countries, many of whom did not like each other. So there were officers given to post of all of these lands to de-escalate the tempers and to help bring unity among the ranks before they went to war. However, these men were not loyal to their people, but they were in fact politicians who bought their positions and were consumed with keeping their post. There was a, a recon party that went out ahead of the troops to scout out the enemy called Hussars. They did not counter any Ottomans, but some travelers in the area who had some kegs of schnapps. They became drunk with their fellow soldiers, or they became drunk and began to party, and when their fellow soldiers, soldiers, the one they didn't like, came and found them, they wanted in on the action, but they didn't want to give it up because they weren't friends, and so they began to fight one another. One member of the group tried to scare them off so he and his friends could have it all to themselves, but that trick backfired. Listen to what happened. Since they were so he began to stand up and say, the Ottomans are coming, the enemy is coming, but since the soldiers were so drunk, they could not tell the difference between accurate and inaccurate information. They began to run back to the camp in panic and chaos, screaming, the Ottomans are coming. And as you can imagine, in the middle of the night, everyone was asleep and disoriented. And so chaos began. When one German captain stood up, he tried to stop the confusion, and he shouted halt in his native German tongue. However, the problem was nobody else spoke German. In fact, they thought he said Allah, so they began to shoot. Again, due to the lack of unity. He tried to address it from his point of view only. He tried to address it from his skill set only. 
While the shouting and firing of weapons ensued and the stabbing of bayonets ensued, the horses began to escape from the corrals, and they were ultimately mistaken for the enemy's horsemen. And one commander who was in charge of the cannons gave the order to start shooting cannons literally into the dark. The camp was filled with darkness of night, shouting of men, stabbing and, and all on the same side. showed that 10,000 of their brothers had been killed and many more wounded and some just ran away, never to be seen again. The remaining regiment returned home only to be invaded by the Ottomans within three days and they killed the wounded and overtook the city before they started heading on. So what can we learn from, these, from this situation? Number one, given the unrest among the countries of the empire, the leaders of each group should have and could have stopped the confusion by causing unity. Joseph II had no experience, but he was surrounded by many generals, leaders, church leaders, people who were seasoned in the faith. They knew more about it than he did, but he didn't want to listen because he had an ego. In fact, on his, on his tombstone, it says, here lies Joseph II, who failed in all he undertook. It all, and the third, thirdly, it all came down to a keg of schnapps being the spark to this tinderbox. Can I tell you that this tactic is alive and well and is used by the enemy today? Listen to this phrase. If you cannot overtake your enemy, have them defeat themselves from within. I believe this is part of the devil's battle plan as we speak. With society unraveling and the world in a panic, it is now time for the body of Christ to stand united and display true brotherly love. That is the unity of the kingdom. Because let me tell you, 2020 is much like that faithful night. And while there's chaos, while there's yelling, and while there's shooting, the sun will rise. The sun will expose. But I don't want to look over the horizon to see my loved ones laying dead in the field only to look down and see that I'm holding the smoking gun. Have we not forgotten what the scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 6? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Church, let me tell you, it is not time to draw battle plans and battle lines around political parties only and economic policies and racial parties and all these things only. It is time to draw lines with the true enemy, the true adversary of our souls, and rally around the cross because it is only the cross that can unite us. But instead of being led with the spirit of discernment, we as citizens of heaven, as we learned last week that was so wonderfully brought out, much like the Hussars, we are drunk on the wine of the world. We are drunk on the wine of media. We are drunk on the wine of political opinion. And we have lost all sense of righteous thinking and biblical values so that we can no longer tell the difference between a truth and a lie and friend and foe. We're just shooting because we heard a noise. A few years ago, my heart was moved, and I had no idea what was coming, and I don't claim to be some prophet, but the Lord began to show me some things that our society was beginning to show indication of confusion, of right and wrong, and good and bad. A few years ago, I was able to serve, I spoke this in our youth ministry, and I was serving as chaplain at some of our ranger camps, and I began to share these things. Look at the movies that were coming out. These two letters, write these down if you're taking notes, VS, verses. We saw movies like Batman versus Superman. Wait a second. We saw 
movies like Civil War where Captain America against Iron Man. We begin to see these trends of me versus you and us versus them and them versus us. My favorite is the NFL versus the Lions. A V and an S, listen, two letters that have such big implication because when used, we automatically choose a side and thus automatically making enemies. Sometimes the enemy is clear and easy to engage. I love our ROL versus racism shirts. My whole family has one and we wear them. Listen to what I'm saying. Please don't twist my words. The, is the issues are what we need to stand against, not the people. And we're going to talk about this. Because other times, it's not so easy to see. But this is what we do. We just have, sometimes others may have a different perspective or viewpoint, and they're just trying to work it out. But this is what we do, is we use broad brush statements that actually cause more damage. It is in those dark moments, in those gray areas, that we have to use extra caution. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. And we have to stop dividing ourselves and adding to the contention, especially when we're on the same side. If we are looking with the eyes of Christ, we can't hate anybody. Let me just tell you that. If you truly are looking with the eyes of Christ, you cannot hate anybody. But I look upon our church and I feel like we have four square-itis. I remember the, old, the days of the old playground. You remember? Good old American grade-A tetanus everywhere you looked. A 60-foot slide, straight down, metal, no mulch at the bottom. You hit the pavement, you learn how to stand on your feet. You only do it once, you'll be good. How many remember those playgrounds? The merry-go-round that was missing half the things, but you, but you just you missed the boat or you got cut. One of our favorite games was four square. Don't overthink it. It's literally four squares. You lucked out if your parking lot already has some stripes because you only had to draw half the squares. But what that was, in case you're unfamiliar with four squares, you literally would have a, a, an open place and four squares. And the object of the game was to stand in your square and defend it. Stand in your square and defend it. You listen to me. Stand in your square and defend it. While the, the ball was bounced around, you had a dodgeball, or the same ball we would use for dodgeball, and you would bounce it from square to square. And the goal was to bounce it and defend your square and get the other people out. Can I tell you, I see this right now happening. We're getting in our own squares. We're getting in our squares of politics. We're getting into our squares of all these other labels that try to divide us. This group against this group and that group against that group. And we're standing in here. And the ball that we're passing is the mighty gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's, we're fighting one another. We're battling one another when the whole playground is going to hell. And we're not doing anything about it because we just want to be right. What is your square? What is your square? Now, I'm not saying we don't need to be aware of what's happening around us, but I think we're getting mixed up, and I think we're hurting people when we don't need to be, and I think we're being hurt when we don't need to be. You might have heard this saying, hurt people, hurt people. Yes, but let me tell you the kingdom version, forgiven people, forgive people. Healed people, heal people. Delivered people. Deliver people. See, the kingdom of God isn't about Facebook kamikazes and yard signs. That's not going to cut it in 2020. We can't just give a one-sided whatever. The Bible tells us, come, let us reason together. So I propose to you another symbol. This one. We are better together. We are better together. Together is greater than than verses when it comes to dealing with mankind. 
We have to come together. We may disagree. We may see it different. That is when we come together and we have conversations that are civil and that are respectable. So I begin to write down things that are better together. And listen to me. Some of my favorite things, peanut butter and jelly. Can I get an amen? Ham and eggs. Chicken and dumplings, which my mama owes me some. Mama, where's that? I'm going to come see you soon for some chicken and dumplings. And one of my personal favorite, fried bologna and mustard. Now, I know that might not be your thing, but come on now. All right. If, how about you at home? Come on. If, if, if you love that too, let me hear from you. I need some, some, some help today. Listen, we learned from one of my favorite movies that even a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Somebody say this, I'm better together. Here's, now go to the book of Philippians, if you will. Now last week we were out of Philippians, and that was a dynamic message from our new youth, youth director. So excited for that. But let's look at the church in Philippi. Over the course of quarantine, as a youth ministry, we studied all the, the prison epistles and a few more writings of Paul. And I gained, an, I love the prison, the prison epistles. I love these letters that Paul wrote. One of them is, is the Philippian church. You see, Philippi it was very small and diverse, the church, but was good in contrast with Galatians and Colossians. If you study Galatians, you see that the Judaizers were there, and Paul had to address them. In Colossians, the Gnostics were there, and Paul had to address them. But Philippians didn't have any major controversies at all going on in that book. Paul mainly just encouraged them for what they were already doing. So the church of Philippi had it going on, but it was stark difference to the city of Philippi. Listen to this. Philippi, was, as the city, was granted the highest level of the Roman world called a Roman colony. Much pride and arrogance was present. In fact, it connected all the eastern provinces to Rome via the Ignatian Way. Here's an image of the Ignatian Way, still in existence today. This was one way in and one way out. Why is this significance? This is why I'm going to tell you significance. Because you had the church in Philippi, who was little and diverse, okay, and the city around them was just the opposite. Eight years before the church started, one of the final battles of the Roman Civil War happened on the Ignatian Way, just miles away from the Philippian church. Listen to me. Julius Caesar was assassinated, and the nation was in a literal civil war between the Republicans, not those Republicans, between the Republicans and the imperialists, those that wanted to be a free nation and those that wanted to stay within the empire. They literally were killing each other. You've heard of Brutus, and you've heard these names. That's who these people were. They killed and assassinated Julius Caesar, and the war took place right here on this road. In fact, this was the same road that Paul and the other apostles walked over the smoking ruins of the Civil War to go to a church. An area marked by civil unrest, but still planted a successful church. That is the power of unity. That is the power of the kingdom of God. I love this because in Acts chapter 16, you can study it for yourself. You can actually see when, how, and where the Philippian church was founded during Paul's second missionary journey. These are the founding members, an upper-class businesswoman named Lydia. Talk about diversity, listen to what I'm saying. An upper-class businesswoman, which was not common in those days at all, Lydia. A middle-class Philippian jailer, remember him. And thirdly, a lower-class slave girl who was enslaved to tell fortunes. Remember her, Paul casted the demon out of her. We're specifically told in this book that a Roman and an Asian and a Greek were present. In fact, the congregation was so small, they did not have a, a synagogue, which under Jewish rule, you had to have ten Jewish men. How do we know this? Because we're told that they met by the river and didn't have a building. 
This church was so small and diverse, but it was powerful because they sent aid to Paul while he was in another city in Acts chapter 4. I'm sorry, in Philippians chapter 4. He said, while I was in another city, you guys came to my rescue. So if you're in Philippians, go to, go to chapter 2, and you read in verses 3 through 5. This was the secret of their success. To fulfill being like-minded and having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each one esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out for his own interests, but also others. We're going to look at that later. So here we are, folks. Point number one is this. Unity is intentional. Unity is intentional. Not only does God bless unity, God hates and judges discord. Listen to this. The spirit of unity. God doesn't want to make us all clones of one people. He wants to work through our diversity, but it must be grounded and rooted in his character. God is the one who created all of us a little different. He made us tall and short and thin and not so thin and smart and not so smart and handsome and not so handsome. He made us all the different colors that we are in all the different countries and nationalities. God made that. In fact, God did make some of us a little uptight. And God made some of us a little bit of a goofball. God made some of us a little sensitive and gentle. And God made some of us a little strong and blunt. But we have to get along in spite of it. That's what gives glory to God. The scripture we just read in verse 5, he says, let this mind be in you. What mind? The mind of Christ. Listen to Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all loneliness and gentleness, with long suffering. Here it is. Bearing with one another, putting up with one another, having patience with one another, endeavoring, struggling, fighting, doing everything I can to keep the unity of the spirit spirit in the bond of peace. We have a hard time loving people. We love them if they are who we want them to be. But Christ called us to love them who they are right now. Verses 13, he says, till we all. Everybody say all. Look how he says, till we all. Some of us just struggle a little bit. This is the whole point of what I'm talking about. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of son. I'm look at what he said, the unity of opinion, the unity of background, the unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God. What will that do? It will perfect a man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine and every new story and every sound bite by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness in the deceitful plot, but speak the truth, yes, in love. That we may grow up in all things into Jesus who is the head, the Christ. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by every point supplied, every joint supplies. According to the effective work by which every part does, it shares, causes the growth of the body. For the edifying of itself, love. In other words, he's saying hands, don't be beating the knees. Knees, don't be beating the face. Feet, don't be kicking the head. Let the head run the body and you do what you're supposed to do. Let the hand do the hand. Let the foot be the foot. I feel like doing Father Abraham right now. Church, we got to support people who need it. But we also need to forgive those who don't deserve it. Proverbs 6, 16, you can read the whole thing. These are the things the Lord hates. A proud look, a liar, 
Hands that shed innocent blood. I don't need to dig into that, but we're fully aware of what's been going on. Hands that shed innocent blood. God hates that. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are quick to run and do evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among the brethren. 1 Corinthians 12.4 says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Have you ever been to an art gallery and you look to the artwork, of, uh, you look on this wing and it all kind of looks different, but it's all kind of a similar thing? Why? Because it was made by one artist. Can we start focusing on the unity? Because we've been made on one artist. Yeah, we may be a little different. We may look a little different. We may focus. That's not the issue. The issue is that we understand that we are all children and creation of God. Listen, it is possible to disagree but still be in the spirit of unity if we are in the spirit of Christ. So many times we have the saying, I like to say, ready, fire, aim. We had a boss like that, and that's what came, and I thought, man, that's pretty profound. There's an interesting story found in Luke chapter 9. I don't have time to unpack it, but read it for yourself. Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 56. I don't have to tell you about the racial tensions between the Jews and the Samaritans. Pastor's been preaching on that quite a bit lately in an awesome way. Here we find that, that, that there is great tension between them. And Jesus and the disciples go to Samaria to reach out to him. But the Bible says the Samaritans rejected Jesus. Could you imagine that? So you know what the disciples said after that? Lord, do we call down fire from heaven? Because they rejected me. Do I call down fire from heaven? Do I jump on that social media? Do I just tell them like it is? Do I tell them what I think? Pastor had that, was cracking up a few weeks ago when he was talking about that. You know what Jesus did? He looked at him and he said, no, you don't know what spirit you're of. Many theologians believe, according to verse 53 in this passage, the reason why Jesus handled it this way, because Jesus didn't try to do anything at that moment in time. Theologians believe based on verse 53 because it said he had set his face toward Jerusalem. What was awaiting him in Jerusalem? His final suffering. Because Jesus said, you know what? I understand there's something going on right here, right now. I'm going to be wise in how I handle it. I'm going to go give my life for them. I'm going to go die on a cruel cross for them. I'm going to go offer the ultimate sacrifice for them. So instead of judging them on their, on their, their, their emotion and what they're thinking and what they're feeling, I don't know. But he said, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die for them. We can either add to the solution or add to the problem. Listen, we can't help what others say or do, but our true allegiance will dictate our response. Philippians 1.9 tells us that our discernment should be rooted in love. The reason why Jesus could call the Pharisees hypocrites and brooded vipers is because he was getting ready to give his life for them. John Revere had an excellent teaching on that many years ago. I don't have time to unpack that, but it is so profound. So many times we just, yes, we discern things, and yes, we, we observe things, and then we just, we just let her rip. But is our discernment rooted and grounded in love? This is why I say unity is intentional, because it's not always easy to get along with people, especially if you don't like them. There are some people on this planet that are just not going to like you, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's people that don't like me, and there's nothing I can do about it. There's people you don't like, and it's just the way that it is. But listen, the spirit of unity doesn't even begin until you have disagreement. Did you hear what I said? The spirit of unity doesn't even begin until you have a disagreement. Much like rebellion doesn't even start until you're told to do something you don't want to do. 
I ain't got no problem with rebellion. I ain't got no problem with nothing. Let a leader tell you to do something that you don't think should be done and watch how fast you stand up. I got my own opinion. I don't think it needs to be done. The same thing like discord. It's in those moments when our rebellion and discord will flare up. Listen, we must stop trying to unite under the banner of earthly things and unite under the banner of the cross. It is the cross of Christ that levels the playing field, the cross of Christ that makes us equal, the cross of Christ that makes us united. That's where our true citizenship is, and that's where our true allegiance should lie. We read this verse kind of briefly, but I I think we have it on the screen, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Look at these words. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, in humility of mind, esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, not only what, what lights your fuse, not only what sends you over the edge, but look out for the interest of others. Now, if we can get in our time machine, let's go back to Joshua chapter 1. I'm gonna, I'm, we're we're going to go somewhere with this, and we're going to be done here real, real soon. I was listening a, a, few, a few years ago, actually, to an interview of a, of a prominent pro-life um, uh, I say company, uh, ministry, I should say. And they were interviewing him, and, 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 I, and, I, and I, it was a wonderful interview, and the name escapes me, I apologize. But this is what the guy said. That, uh, as he was being interviewed, they asked him for the most surprising or frustrating thing, and he said it's this. He said the most frustrating thing is what's the friendly fires, which is what we're talking about today, church, if you haven't noticed that. The friendly fire that I get from the church. He said the world has opinions and the world acts a certain way, but the church is what surprises me. He said, I get, op- I get opposed all the time because people say, all you care about is abortion, but you don't care about when they're out of the womb. All you care about is in the womb. You don't care about anything else. And he said, can I tell you, that angers me to no end. He said, there could be nothing further from the truth. He said, I am all things to all men. Here's the issue. I'm one man with a small staff and a limited budget. I can't address the world's issues all in myself. So the Lord has given me favor in this field and knowledge in this field and connections in this field. So I'm going to do that. Why don't those people do the same to their field and quit yelling at me? I thought, my goodness, that is so profound. Joshua chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. A few, a few months ago, I preached the message that Joshua was crossing the Jordan Right before, this is what was happening. The children of Israel were getting ready to cross into the promised land. Joshua went to these three tribes and he said, listen, I know Moses told you, you get to settle on this side of the Jordan and you don't have to cross. I know Moses said, this is your promised land. I'm going somewhere with this, listen to me. This is your promised land. Joshua said, I know this isn't your fight, but I just need a little bit of help. I can't fight this fight alone. I know you have peace in life already. I know you have peace in life on this side of the Jordan. But the greater picture, your kinsmen, your friends, your family have to cross this river. And we need your help. We are told in Genesis chapter 4 that innocent blood cries out to God the Father. If I were to listen with the ears of the Spirit, I would hear the voice of the unborn in danger of being killed. They no longer receive personhood protection. According to our laws, they are no longer considered humans of any kind. In 2017, I hear the voices of the 862,320 babies that were murdered saying, I know this isn't your fight. I know you're already born, but can somebody help me because I don't have a voice? Can somebody help me because I don't have a weapon? Since 1960, we have killed 62 million 
unborn. In case you're wondering, that is the next equivalent to the population of the country of Italy. I look and I listen with the ears of the Spirit and I hear that the Lord is hearing that. I look and I listen with the ears of the Spirit to my brothers and sisters of color who are afraid and frustrated and, and living in times when they just want somebody to listen and they want to help them have change and, and they're tired of being stereotyped and judged and living in fear. We went to a clinic back in the summer with, where all the AG pastors listened. There was a panel and they were all minorities and it was very diverse. And one brother stood and, and said something that literally broke my heart. He said, I am tired of standing up and having to be twice as good just to be accepted. I don't want anybody to ever feel that way around me or this church. We are a church of all people. The body of Christ is a body of all people. We should be equal. I hear the voices, and they're crying out. I hear the voices of the good guys in blue who give their life and they live in fear saying, listen, I'm one of the good guys. But they may live in fear and they're saying, I know this isn't your fight, church. I know this isn't your fight, so and so and so and so. But I need just a little bit of help. I need a little bit of support. We have over 400,000 kids in the foster care system right now that are saying, I know this isn't your fight. I know you have a family. I know that you've got your own kids, but I just need somebody to, to take care of me. I need somebody to give me some food and clothes and shelter. If I listen with the ears of the Spirit, I hear them say, I need somebody to tell me I'm worth something. My mom and my dad gave up on me for whatever reason, and I feel worthless and helpless. I need to hear that I am somebody. I need to hear that there is someone that loves me. I need to hear the goodness of God. I know this isn't your fight. I know you're not the one dealing with it, but I I need some help. I listen with the ears of the Spirit, and I listen to the single parents that are working two and three jobs trying to keep it all together, and they lay their head in the pillow at night, and they're tearful, and they're weary, not knowing how they're going to give their son or daughter food. Or maybe it's a young mother with a little boy and saying, I need someone to be a man and show my son. Can you listen, church? Can we stop fighting long enough to listen with the ears of the Spirit? To see that there's problems all around us. What about the senior citizens who live alone? And they say, I know you've got your own life. And I know my life is behind me. But I'm still alive. And I'm lonely. And I'm afraid. And I get mistreated sometimes. I know this isn't your fight. But can you please help me? What am I talking about? This is the bottom line. Guys, there are so many battles that need to be fought. We cannot spend our time and resources on friendly fire. The Lord needs all of us to unite under the umbrella of the kingdom of God and speak to our circles of influence and do what we can to help everybody. As we get ready to close, listen. The only thing more dangerous than a leader who will not lead is a leader who doesn't realize the impact and power of their voice. I'm trying to help us today, church. I'm trying to help us today, church, because my heart is breaking for what I see happening across our land, what I see happening across our families, what I see happening across communities. There are plenty of issues that we got to get involved in. We've got to do our thing, but we've got to stop fighting one another. So unity is intentional and unity brings the blessing. In Psalms 133, he says this, the Lord commands the blessing. Where? In the place of unity. Here are the blessings of unity. Number one, our relationships are blessed. He said, blessed are those when the brethren and sisters get along. Listen, we reap the benefits of a clear environment. 
It is a blessing to go to work, to go to home, to go to church with people that we live in harmony and unity. It's actually fun. It only takes one person to make an area toxic. It takes one person to make a company toxic, a church toxic, a family toxic. The Bible says when you remove the scoffer, the contention ceases. How amazing it is. Don't be that toxic person. Don't be that person that always has to interject and always has to bring Debbie Downer in. I call them shin kickers. That's the, that's the sixth office. Uh, it, 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 you know what I'm talking about. Just, uh, just wanna, that's all they want to do. 2020 is not a time for that. So if you're one of those guys, socially distance, okay? Verse 2 said this. Verse 2 describes the anointing. So number one, if you're in a spirit of unity, your relationships will benefit. Number two, if you're in a spirit of unity, your anointing will increase. He said it is like the oil that runs down the high priest's beard. He's describing the anointing ceremony of Aaron the high priest found in Exodus. He is describing a sense of anointing. If there's no anointing in your life, in your family, or in your ministry, maybe you're not in the spirit of unity. In fact, if there's no anointing in your home, Peter tells us in verse chapter 3, verse 7, Husbands, love your wives, honor them so that your prayers are not hindered. I thought I'd get about that kind of reaction. <laughs> the last verse tells us this. It says it's like the dew. Listen to me. Being in the spirit of unity will bring a deeper, richer presence of the Holy Spirit. If there's no Holy Spirit in your life, if there's no Holy Spirit on your home, then maybe you're not in the spirit of unity of what God wants to be done. Listen, water, rain, dew, this is always symbolic of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Among each other, also in deeper fellowship with Him. We will get blessing, revelation, power of the Holy Spirit. It's available to us in a special way. As we get ready to close, listen to this. As I was saying this morning, let's sum this up. Our nation is hurting. Our families are hurting. Our churches are hurting. There are so many things around us that need the body of Christ to get attention to. But we've got to get along first. We've got to love one another first. The Bible says let judgment begin in the house of the Lord. First, I'm not talking about the world. The world is going to do its own thing. I'm talking about the kingdom of God playing foursquare in the corner of the playground. We've got a greater good. The world is hurting. But let me just remind you of the words of Jeremiah. In fact, it was an old song we used to sing. For there is hurting in the world. There is failure in the world. There are those who don't know how they're going to live another day. But let me remind you of Jeremiah's words. There is a balm in Gilead that heals the wounded soul, that mends the broken heart. The balm of Gilead can cover the deepest wound, can heal the deepest heart, can help you forgive the most ruthless person. The balm of Gilead can console you, can heal you, and can mend your life and mend your body. The balm of Gilead is the love of Jesus. Christ and the blood that was shed for him. Let me tell you, Jesus is the only answer. Jesus is the only answer. It's not blue. It's not red. It's not anything else. It is Jesus Christ is the only answer. I'm going to end with this story. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to end with this story. You see, passion, I liken to it like fire. It can be a good thing or it can be a destructive thing. In high school, I was taking a vocational program for heating and cooling and air conditioning, and we got to learn how to solder. And it was very difficult because you had to know when to apply the right amount of solder and the right amount of heat. And so many times, I couldn't get my solder to stick. Well, the teacher said, well, you got to have a little more fire. So I put a little more fire on it. 
And instead of the soldering sticking, I literally disintegrated the copper tubing. That can be like passion in our lives. If we don't have passion for anything, I just named a whole bunch of stuff that, listen, we need to come together and love our brothers and sisters and everybody. We need to come together. I just listed a whole bunch of things that needs our attention as, as Christians. If you have no passion for anything, nothing's going to stick. Solder, nothing. But if we're not careful and we're not operating in the spirit of unity, we're going to be like that flame. And we're going to literally start to, cr- to destroy the very thing we're trying to create. You can apply that in anything, in our marriage, in our family, in our kids. We apply that pressure. Sometimes it's a little too much and that actually can destroy the very thing we're trying to preserve. So, River of Life, my question is to you. Can we unite? Can we let this be known like the church in Philippi? A church that loves one another. A church that loves everybody. A church that is patient. A church that is kind. A church that is forgiving. Can we come together and, re- and be united as the church of Philippi was? Can we be a church diverse in origin but united in its mission? Forgive them now. Listen, we are in the process of cutting ties with family and friends. The holidays are coming and we're dreading meeting people. Is now the time to forgive? Is now the time to start reaching across the aisle and understanding that we first got to treat people as human beings and love? And we may disagree, but let's have the spirit of unity to promote the love of God and the body of Christ. And lastly, Amber, you can play that song. We're going to end a little differently today. Lastly, we need to be humble enough to understand that we're not always right. We're not always right. Are you willing to be told something that you don't really agree with, but the other person is right? Are you willing to put yourself out there in lowliness of mind, preferring your brother? We went to that workshop and for an hour and a half sat and listened to people share their hearts. We cried when they told their stories. Our hearts were open to certain things. Our minds, because now is not the time to go this and that and, 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 and people are hurting and people need help. People just want to be listened to and respected and loved. In fact, Jesus said this, no one is good. No, not one. The fact is we're all a little bit right and we're all a little bit wrong. And we won't know that till we finally get to heaven. So this morning as we end, and even those at home, listen, I know this word, it, it, as I'm putting it together, it, it's kind of a strong word, but I believe it is the word of God for this season. So this morning as we're here, can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? Maybe the Lord has just convicted our hearts. Maybe you have a relationship that God wants you to go mend right now. Maybe God has put upon you, maybe you're seeing their face right now. Maybe you've got family that you've just... Maybe you just parted ways and it really was just because of a misunderstanding. Maybe you've had a, a maybe you've had a, a, a spirit that was just not of unity. Let me say it like that. Maybe the Lord has convicted you for maybe you've been on the sideline a little too long and God is saying, listen, there are issues that need your attention. Let's fight them the right way and not friendly fire. So let's have a moment while this song plays. Even you at home, while this song plays, just for a moment. I want you to connect with God. And youth, every meeting we end this with what's called response time. See, the word of God has to be responded to. Let's do that right now. You respond to how you see fit and what God is leading you. And we'll end with a prayer.
Father, I just pray right now, God, that you would bring a spirit of unity. Father, I pray that everyone right now, God, that healing would happen in their families, that healings would happen in their circle of friends, that healings happen even here in River of Life and the churches across the country. Father God, I pray for the sweet balm of Gilead, Lord God, that it would go to every hurting heart. It would go to every wounded relationship. It would go to every wounded person, Father God. Those that are hurt, Father, I pray that you would heal them and that you would console them. Father, you said that those who grieve in Zion, this is the year that you will bring freedom and healing. And Father, I pray that you do that, oh God. Father, sweep your presence across this land. Father, it is a turmoil-filled land. It is a tumultuous time. Father, we've got people running to and fro and friends and families fighting with one another and father you said this shouldn't be for you came to bring us together as the body of Christ Lord help us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ help us to put an arm around our hurting friends and family help us to, to understand that some don't have a voice and some some just need a little bit of help help us to be that person Lord, your word says in Galatians that if we're not careful, we're going to bite and devour one another and we'll ultimately be consumed. Father, we just respond to that today in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for a sense of unity to come into this place. Let it go in our friends, let it go to our families. Father, we do pray for those that are in our congregation, Lord God, that maybe have the positive diagnosis or, or maybe just not feeling well, so they wanted to, to self-quarantine until test results came. Father, there's a lot of different things happening right now, and I pray that you be with every household and every person, Lord God. Father, I pray that your spirit would come and bring healing, Father God, Lord, not only emotional and relational, but also physically, Father God. Lord God, I just pray that you would just, Lord, if, if you're watching today or with us here, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And today you can do that. You just have to come to him. You just have to confess your sins and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm sorry. Take my life. Take it. I live for you. I give you my life and I want to know you. That's all you have to say. And Lord, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Bring healing across this land. Bring healing in our relationships and in our families, oh God, that we may be united. That we may be united under the banner of the cross of Calvary and the kingship we might be of different provinces we might have different things but we have one king and that is you Jesus we are allegiant to you Lord and we pledge our hearts to you and we thank you Lord in Jesus precious name amen amen listen thanks for watching today thank you for being here today God bless you be dismissed and and God bless you director here at River of Life. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope that message was uplifting and encouraging. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future uploads. At the stream each month we do something called Coffee with a Cause. That means that all of our proceeds go to a domestic organization to help them out. This month for October we have chosen All Worthy of Love. If you would like more information on All Worthy of Love, check out their website or their Instagram. You can come in the stream before or after service, and all proceeds from our drinks will be going to All Worthy of Love this month. Again, thank you so much for joining us. I hope the message was encouraging, and we'll see you next time.